Hello, this is Elizabeth Mower, president of BEI. And I'm John Brown, the founder. Each episode, we take you into the world of exit planning, sharing the stories, struggles, and opportunities of business owners and their advisors. We'll get into this episode's conversation right after this. As an advisor, you have the technical skills to assist business owners in exit planning. However, few advisors know how to package the process and use it to drive the demand for their service. Learn how when you attend an upcoming bootcamp workshop. Visit exitplanning.com forward slash bootcamp to see the latest schedule and to register. That's exitplanning.com forward slash bootcamp. Don't miss the opportunity to take advantage of all exit planning can offer and to set yourself apart from the competition. Welcome to this edition of Why We Plan. I'm your host, John Brown, the founder of BEI. Today, I am happy to tell everybody that I'm with Thomas Stewart, who's the executive director of the National Center for the Middle Market, which is a nonprofit organization that I I personally have been following online for years. So it's it's wonderful to have Tom uh, talking to us about the results of a survey uh, the center conducted late last March on what I call, Tom, the owner sentiment surrounding the COVID crisis. Uh, you'll find a, a link to this survey in the show notes. So, Tom, with that, tell us a little bit more about yourself, the center, and especially about the survey. So, John, first of all, thank you. I'm delighted I'm delighted to be here and delighted to have a chance to work with you guys at, at BEI and, and to uh, learn why we plan. Uh, so the National Center for the Middle Market is a research group at, that's part of the Ohio State University. So we're part of the business school at Ohio State. And we were founded um, at 11 years ago to, uh, to try to understand mid-sized companies and the issues and challenges that face mid-sized companies. Every quarter, we take a poll of a thousand of them. Uh, it's a pulse check. It's a how's business pulse check. We ask about performance and growth and employment and challenges, so on and so forth. We would normally have gone into the field in March with that survey, and we thought, no, no, this is, we're going to go in and do a special look exactly at what the impact of the COVID pandemic is. So we went and we got 260 responses. And what's interesting is, what's cool about it is we got, we were able to go back to the same companies we polled in December. So we have people telling to, talking to us about the world they saw at the end of 2019 and the world they're seeing now uh, between March 23rd and March 25th, which is when this poll was in the field. Interesting. So a couple of things. One, you define middle market as companies with revenue of 10 million to a billion dollars, but I, I believe, I'm guessing most of those businesses fall far closer to the 10 to $50 million mark than the upper ranges, or is that not yeah, accurate? It's a, it's a pyramid, you know, narrower at the top and, and you know, above a billion dollars, it gets narrower still. So yeah. it's about overall, that group is about 200,000 companies. And wow. I forgot the exact number, but I think only like, uh, you know, the top 15% are above a hundred million dollars and, and, and the rest, rest are, okay. All are right. below that. And within that group, you get um, about, uh, almost all of them are private, like 85 or 90% are private. Uh, and uh, a lot of family businesses, about a, almost a third are family businesses, a bunch of private equity investment. Well, that's a sim- similar to the demographics our members and exoplanners in general tend to represent. So tell us what the survey 
What does the survey say? Well, the first thing it says is, boom, wow. The vast majority of middle market companies looking at the end of March were saying that their business was being negatively affected. Uh, 25% said that they thought the impact of COVID-19 would, would be catastrophic wow. on their business, which is a, which is a, a pretty big number. Uh, we didn't, you know, however they want to define catastrophic. We, uh, they, you know, 70 or sorry, 86% said that there was a, going to be a negative impact on business operations. 84% said a negative impact on projected revenue, about 80%. Four out of five saying a negative impact on payroll or employment, cash. I mean, basically, all of these things, four out of five companies said there was going to be a, a significant negative impact on those things. They weren't able to quantify how much. They just said they knew they were going to hit it. But at this point, they're still in the stage of, like, we see the damage, but we just don't know how big the damage is going to be. Half of these companies said that the ongoing uncertainty was the most difficult aspect yeah. of the current environment. So they know they're taking it, they're, they know they're getting hit. But if you asked them how much, by what percentage, they would be very hard pressed to say because the damage is still being done. That is fascinating. That is fascinating. So, what did they, did you have anything that indicated what they saw, what the future holds for their companies and for the economy in general? Yeah, yeah, quite a number of things. First of all, um, we ask, we, we, we keep track of something that we call a short-term index, which is a, a ratio of, of positive to negative sentiment about three things. Um, my own sales, what I think my own sales are going to be like in the next three months, what I think demand is going to be like in the next three months, and what do I think the business climate is going to be like in the next three months. The optimistic news in this, if you can say it, is that people feel much less good about their own sales than they do about demand or the business climate. They think our sales are going to go way down, but the business climate they still think is not as it's going, it's less good, but it's not going down as much. So it's, it's as if they're feeling like we're falling, but we're not free falling. There's underlying demand and that when we can get back to business, we'll be, there will be demand to satisfy. And when we can get back to business, it's not as if the whole business climate has gone to hell. It's still going to be there to support us. So right now, great uncertainty, great now, a lot of damage, but in an environment where they think that as things come back, there will be some underlying support in terms of in the in the form of demand and a fundamentally decent business climate. So if you can think back to the Great Recession, mm -hmm. uh, you probably had similar surveys in, in general. And can I assume then that the the sentiment of the businesses then was much less optimistic about the future of the economy? The nice thing is I complete ignorance to that because we didn't exist right then we came in just as we were coming out of the great recession so the national oh, center good. for the middle market comes 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 out of that but there's two interesting differences here the great recession was an infarction in the financial system right the banks were closing down it was like that's where the damage started and the rest of the body the rest of the the rest of business was okay the problem was its financial heart wasn't 
feeding, and if it didn't get feeding, there'd be organ failure, right? Here, the banks, the financial system itself seems to be okay. I mean, everybody's dealing with a lot of demand and a lot of confusion right now, but it's not as if the banks are failing. What's happening is that demand is going away, business is going away, we're shut down. And so there's a very different kind, kind of feeling. I think there's, 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 there's a different sense on the part of real businesses as opposed to non-financial businesses mm -hmm. about, about what's going on. Um, you know, I like the way Paul Krugman says it. We put ourselves into a medically induced coma, uh, but we're, but the but the financial system, touch wood, seems to be fundamentally sound. Well, I think this is something uh, business advisors to clients will find valuable. That it's terrible news, but it's not it's not long-term in nature. Hopefully, at least that's what most owners are thinking. Yeah. Well, and of course, it depends on when we come out of or are brought out of this coma, but 80% of the people we talked to said that they thought that they could be up and running within six months. And 40%, 39% said they thought they could be up and running within a month. So they're feeling resilience. But of course, the longer this goes on, we'll see how that number holds up. But I'm curious to know what, what, what advisors are, are saying and what, what you're seeing that people want from their advisors under these circumstances? Well, we actually are going to have uh, a webinar with our members in a couple of weeks, and I'll have a lot more information on that then. But in general, I think uh, advisors are probably doing far better in general than their clients. They're in a service business. And again, as long as they can get paid, right? Yeah, yeah. But they, they're plenty busy right now. Um, but I think they're searching for, I'm going to talk about this right now, how can I help my clients? What can I do to help them? And, and I think there's really uh, maybe three action steps that advisors can take. And if, if owners are listening in on this, as I'm sure many are, uh, they can take note of this as well. First of all, is discuss this survey with your clients. I mean, unlike the Great Recession, it's not the end of the world is in sight, doom and gloom that owners have. You know, back in t 2008, 9, and 10, it was really uh, the depths of, of almost a depression. We just didn't know how we were going to get out of this. Now we think it's relatively short-term in nature. I'm not nearly as optimistic as owners are, but as we know, owners are entrepreneurs, so they're by nature optimistic. Uh, and let's just hope they're right. But one thing is, you know, talk about this uh, with your clients. It'll give them a sense that one, I'm not alone in this world. There are lots of other business businesses and business owners having these thoughts, but we don't think it's long-term. So that's one thing. Um, the next thing I would look at is to ask your clients what they think about the recovery and what steps they think they need to 
take directly within their businesses because I'm sure all the businesses you surveyed, these, especially these larger middle market businesses, they're moving ahead with a plan of action right now to address all of the issues that are confronting them. Smaller business owners, maybe not so much. They don't have the resources or the experience to do that. So advisors are gonna need to step in and give them some suggestions. So that's what I wanna end up with is some suggestions recommendations, ideas, advisors can give to their business owner clients. And there's three or four, I think, that are really important. And these are, are aspects of the exit planning process that our members bring in general to their business owner clients who are wanting to leave their business between next Friday and 10 or 15 years. So what characteristics do they need to have to have a business that's transferable, that's strong, vibrant, durable. Well, the first thing is, and we always emphasize this, is the strength of the management team and the key employees. Without that, the business really isn't even transferable. So um, I think as advisors, we need to caution our owners against taking dramatic steps, you know, laying off their management team or reducing their compensation below what's possible because eventually as recovery begins, we're gonna need that management team to drive the business forward. So one idea we have, and we do this a lot on exit planning, is uh, if we do need, because cash flow is, is really severely curtailed in some businesses, we may need to reduce compensation temporarily for not just the management, but certainly for the owners, but consider designing an incentive and retention plan for that management team along with this temporary reduction. And, and what we do in exit planning often is we're trying to motivate and, and incent the management team to grow value or cash flow more quickly that has been historically to allow the owner to close any financial gap so that they can exit. Well, here we're trying to do the same thing. You know, John, what, one, one of the things that we learned at the National Center for, for the Middle Market in our research is looking at talent planning dovetails exactly with what you were saying. These people know really well who their key players are. If you ask them, do I know you? Do you know my key players? Yeah, they all raise their hands. And they also know that these key players are key players. They can't lose them. But you know what they're lousy at? Succession planning. Mm -hmm. And if you put that in an exit planning or a transition thing, that, you know, the, the stakes on that are squared. Not only do I have to know who are the people I want to make sure stay with the business through the transition and beyond it. I've got to have a plan with them to make sure that they do stay there because the very fact that they're key people makes them important to, to keep, but also makes it easier for them to leave. So, yeah. so that, that, that's really critical. And there's one other thing I was thinking about is we're, I'm thinking that you, you hit something that I've been thinking, which is right now there, right now for some companies, we're talking first aid, right? Cash, you know, operations get you know just first aid on the business and, and but for most companies we're now we're we hope they're past the stage of first aid and what are you going to do in the next six months three months six months to keep the business going find the right vision for the business maybe do some right sizing but but also what are the projects you want to undertake now to keep the business strong 
or to even strengthen the business so that when we can come back, you're a little bit leaner, a little bit smarter, you captured the knowledge, you know, stuff like that. Yep, that's, that's exactly what we do in non-crisis situations. It's even more important here. And just a couple of other things along that path. The biggest risk for business owners right now in the midst of this downturn in their revenue and the disappearance of their profits is if they don't keep those key employees, what happens? Well, those key employees, for the most part, can leave they can go to a stronger competitor and they can take customers, they can take employees, they can take vendor relationships. If we haven't uh, done the planning necessary to match the incentive plan with some type of a restriction, uh, such as a non-solicitation agreement, which very few smaller businesses have. So we, it's a, we're at great risk here. Not only can our management team leave, but they can take the profitable business with them in a lot of situations. So we really need to, as advisors, to talk to our clients about that risk. Um, so that's something that they should suggest. Uh, and talking about business continuity planning, uh, succession planning usually is as the ownership transfers from one person to another. Uh, Third-party sales and talking to our investment bankers who are BEI members, unless a deal is close to completion, they're going away or they're stalling. Uh, no one's doing new deals at all from what I can tell. So I'm sure there's some going on, but it's very limited. Um, if cash flow isn't with companies, if that's been decreasing, it's hard to sell to insiders. Uh, How would you do valuation right now? You know, yeah. the, valuation, the value of that business on January 1st and the value of that business on April 1st, how could you have a, re how could any sensible person actually ascribe a value to a business right now? Yeah. So, so I'd say to show that, I mean, that deals are being tabled, acquisitions are being tabled, sales are being tabled. What's not being tabled is let's, you know, go in and fix the business, do some restructuring. Right. So maybe that's the agenda right now. Get the business safe and then figure out what you can do to make it strong, which will make you deal ready when we come out of this, but also make you business ready when you come out of this. And right. that's the same thing, right? Yeah, that's, that's the essence of exit planning in our world. The, the, the last thing I'd, I'd suggest um, is for owners to pay attention to what happens in the event, the unforeseen event that they now become disabled or they die or a key employer, their key employee or employees, and often in smaller businesses, we only have one or two key people. What happens if they die? So that would just be a double whammy for a lot of businesses. It would be the end of a lot of businesses without some kind of planning. And, and again, we have a lot of tools and exit planning, stay bonuses and continuity plans and, and all kinds of tools that need to be put in place now so that events like this occur, the business doesn't fall flat on its face. And that can happen. And I know be, as we leave, I, want, I know you have some final thoughts on, on business ownership and what business owners are thinking and doing. So if you'd share those, Tom. Yeah, John, and, and, and the, the thing that's wonderful is they, is it, they dovetail very much with yours. I mean, one of the things that we, we learned is that these companies are hit, they feel strong and resilient, 
the things they're having the hardest time managing are not the things within their four walls, but the things outside their four walls, the things over which they have the least influence. So deals are going away. Um, but more, almost half, 44%, said that they were more likely to restructure, that they were going to say, try to use this time to try, you know, to, to make the business stronger. Now, they may have to also be lopping off a weak part of the business that, you know, restructuring can, can be painful. But I think that the smartest ones that were, seem to be thinking, this is really difficult. I don't know where I am, but I've got a good team. I've got to get my good team and my good customers around me and then think about what I want my business to look like coming out of it. Am I going to just recover? Am I going to recover with restructuring? Do I want to recapitalize, do something fundamentally different? Mm -hmm. but I think the smartest ones are thinking, we've got to think about what's that, what does that future look like a year from now? And what do we do now so that we're taking the right steps to get us there? Well, Tom, as we, we end every one of these sessions with, that's why we plan. And you said it better than I could. That's why we need to plan today, not just for the owner's eventual exit, but to make sure that business uh, maybe needs to reorient, reorient itself a bit and become stronger and more durable. So thank you very much. I really appreciate this. This has been wonderful. Thank you, John. Thanks for listening. For more content like this, please visit exitplanning.com.